You are listening to the Hill City Church Podcast. Our mission is to become and make disciples who walk with God, connect with people, and impact the world. Happy Easter, everyone. This is Pastor Josh. We have a special teaching for you today, and I wanted to clarify a few things before we jump into our teaching. We are going to be beginning the teaching today with a first-person narrative. So I will be speaking, but I will be speaking from the vantage point of the Bible character Jairus. You can read uh, the story of Jairus in all three of the Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Specifically, I would point you to Luke chapter 8 if you want to read a little bit more. Uh, But there's going to be a little bit different than usual, and so there'll be uh, a kind of a soundtrack behind uh, that. I will be speaking as if I actually am the Bible character Jairus. And then after about 10 minutes of the narrative, we're going to switch, and I'm going to be myself again, and I will wrap up our teaching today just as myself. And so I wanted to clarify those things, especially listening on the podcast. It's not as clear uh, when you see me in character or out of character like you would on a video. And so I hope that today and I pray that today and the teaching would bless you and encourage you in your life. Let's go ahead and jump into the narrative. Have you ever felt helpless? Like there was nothing you could do on your own power to fix your situation. I don't know about you, but I hate feeling like that. In fact, I've spent most of my life trying to avoid those kinds of situations. My name's Jairus, and I'm a ruler of the synagogue. And so I'm used to being the one that people come to to ask for help. People come to me to help explain the scriptures. They come to me to settle disputes within the Jewish community. People even come to me and they want me to be the one to pray for ones that are sick. And yet in this season, God has been teaching me just how powerless I really am. That's because today, my daughter died. It started months ago. My daughter Zoe had just turned 12. We had her bat mitzvah. And it was a wonderful celebration of watching my daughter grow up into adulthood. She's the kind of girl that whatever room she walks into, it brightens up with her smile and her joy and her laughter. But shortly after her birthday, her health took a turn for the worse. She started getting these coughing fits and she was lightheaded from time to time. And then one day on the way home from school, she fainted. And that's when I knew it was serious. So I did what any good parent would do. I called the doctor and he came in and he checked her out. And then he gave me the news that basically there was nothing that he could do. This was in God's hands now. So all I could do then was pray and wait and pray and wait. And I've been praying month after month. And I hate to confess it, but I've been struggling in my faith because I'm the one, I'm the religious guy. I'm the one who's supposed to be strong and believe that God answers prayers. And yet every time I pray, it seems like those prayers are falling on deaf ears. Things got really bad last night. There was a crazy storm on the Sea of Galilee, which is just behind our house. And the waves were roaring and the wind was howling and there was thunder and lightning. But the only thing you could hear above the storm was this horrendous coughing fit that caught onto my daughter. And I went into this room on her bed and was patting her on the back. 
And I put my handkerchief up to her face, and when I pulled it away, it was red with her blood. See, last night, my eyes were wide open, and I couldn't sleep a wink because my mind was racing about what could I do to help my daughter? What could I do to give her a little bit more time of life? And then out of nowhere, it hit me. I heard a rumor that there was a new rabbi and he would be in town tomorrow. His name is Jesus. And everyone said that Jesus had amazing teachings, but that wherever he went, he performed miracles. He had cast out demons. He had healed people of various diseases. And so early this morning, I got up and I headed towards town. And it didn't take long to find out where Jesus would arrive because already there were dozens of people lining the shore of the Sea of Galilee. And I watched as his boat came to the shore and Jesus and his disciples got out on the sand. And I elbowed and pushed my way up to Jesus and I fell before his feet. And I pleaded with him, Rabbi, please, please, my daughter is dying. You have to come and help. This was the most humbling and humiliating place I've ever been in my life. But to my surprise, he said, okay. And then in that moment, I was now leading the crowds as we walked towards my home. People were still hustling and bustling. People were still shouting questions and requests to Jesus. Everyone was looking for a miracle. And then when we were about halfway home, Jesus stopped. And his eyes were searching the crowd, and he said, who touched me? And we all thought it was a joke. In fact, one of his disciples pointed it out. He said, Jesus, there's dozens of people here. Everyone is touching you. But that didn't stop Jesus. He said it again, who touched me? And just then, an old woman came forward. Her head was bowed, and I caught a glimpse of her face. I knew this woman. Her name was Bernice, or as I called her, crazy old Bernice. At one point in time, she was a well-respected woman in our community. But about 12 years ago, she developed this chronic bleeding disorder. And she's been afflicted ever since. In fact, I remember when she came to me at the synagogue to pray for her to be healed. But for the last 12 years, she's had to live her life unclean, not able to touch anyone, let alone a holy man like Jesus. And so I knew what Jesus was going to do. He was going to reprimand her. He obviously knew that she was unclean. But to my surprise, he knelt down, he looked at her in the eyes, and he listened to her story. She explained that she's been desperate. And she's tried every doctor and every medicine and every potion you could think of. She's spent her life savings trying to be healed, but nothing has worked. And she thought if she could just touch the edge of Jesus's robe, then she might be healed. And Jesus looked at her and he said, daughter, your faith has made you well. And in that moment, her body was healed, but it wasn't just her body, her reputation in the community was fully restored. And I felt in that moment, the smallest seed of faith, hope began to rise within me. If Jesus was able to heal this woman, who's been afflicted as long as my daughter has been alive, then just maybe he could do a miracle for me. But my hopes that were rising were soon crushed. One of my servants, 
he walked towards me and he was out of breath from the journey. And he said, don't bother the rabbi anymore. Jairus, come home. Your daughter has died. At that moment, everything stopped. I wondered what her last words were. I felt guilty that I wasn't there to hold her hand and to tell her that everything would be okay. You know, there's a name for a woman who loses a husband, you call her a widow. Or, or a child who loses their parents, you call that child an orphan. But there's no name for a parent who has to bury their own child. And I can tell you, it is a grief that is too much to bear. And so I turned away to go home. But I was stopped by something. It was Jesus' hand on my shoulder. And he looked at me in the eyes. And he said, don't be afraid, just have faith. And I don't know if it was that mustard seed of faith, or maybe it was because I was flat out of options. Whatever it was, I thought I'd give Jesus a chance. And so this time we continued the journey home in stillness and silence. No more questions, no more demands, just everyone walking quietly to see what Jesus would do next. And the silence was broken as we got closer to my house. The friends and the family members, they had already gathered around and they were weeping and wailing. I saw my wife, she ran up to me and I knew that my daughter had died because my wife, she buried her head deep within my shoulder and she just repeated these words over and over, she's gone, she's gone, she's gone. But that didn't stop Jesus. Jesus just asked where she was laying. And so we walked into this room And Jesus sat down on this bed right here. And he took my daughter's hand and he said the words, little girl, wake up. At that moment, the breath of life returned to my daughter's body. It's the most amazing thing I've ever seen in my entire life. She began to move again. She sat up in bed, stretched her arms and rubbed her eyes. You wanna know the first words out of her mouth? Where I'm hungry. And so we laughed and we celebrated and we cried and we got her a snack. And I couldn't stop saying to Jesus, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And what was once a mustard seed of faith has now grown into a faith with every ounce of my being that I believe Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus turned death into life. He turned my helplessness into hope. He turned this room, the place of some of the deepest pain and trials in my life, into the place where I witnessed one of the most amazing miracles I've ever seen. And I don't know if you've ever found yourself in a place like me, a place of hopelessness and despair, but if you ever do, invite Jesus into the room. Don't be afraid, just have faith. Happy Easter. It's good to be myself again. Uh, I'm Josh. I'm the lead pastor of Hill City Church. And I hope uh, that story of Jairus and the resurrection of his daughter was encouraging and helpful uh, for you. And yet it's a little bit odd to talk about another resurrection miracle on Easter other than the resurrection of Jesus. And that's what I want to do right now. I want to spend the rest of our time really focusing on the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. 
And you might be wondering why. Why did we pick a passage out of Luke 8 to be talking about today? And I think there's two reasons why. The first one is uh, that really the story of Jairus is really compelling. And it's relatable, and it draws us in, and we can actually see bits of ourselves, especially with the year that we've had, uh, with COVID, with, with racial injustice, with financial strain, with broken relationships, that this last year has been a year where maybe you can relate to uh, Jairus from the story, where you feel like you've prayed, you've prayed, you've prayed, and you're still waiting on God to answer those prayers. Or maybe you can relate to the woman from the story, uh, the woman we called Bernice, Uh, that maybe you feel like there's parts of your life that are unclean or there are certain barriers that are preventing you from actually coming to Jesus. Wherever you're at, I hope that you were drawn in and compelled and and really could see some of our struggles and the things that we deal with in our lives from that story. But then the other reason I wanted to talk about a different resurrection of uh, miracle of Jesus was because we can actually compare and contrast uh, the resurrection miracles that Jesus performed versus the resurrection of Jesus Christ himself. And and by talking about how different they are, we're actually going to learn more about the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus actually performed three resurrection miracles recorded in the New Testament. Uh, He raised a widow's son from Luke chapter 7. He raised Jairus' daughter from Luke chapter 8. And he raised his friend Lazarus in John chapter 11. And those are phenomenal miracles. And what each of those demonstrate is the resurrection power of God. But none of those are quite the same thing as the resurrection of Jesus Christ himself. And so really what I want to do is just talk about three ways that the resurrection of Jesus changes everything in our lives. First of all, the resurrection is our proof that Jesus is the Christ. It's our proof. It substantiates all of the claims of Jesus. And Jesus made some bold claims. He claimed to have authority. He claimed to have the power to forgive us from our sins. He claimed to have the power to heal us from all of our afflictions. And really, this is what sets Jesus apart from all the other religious leaders in the world. Regardless of the claims of any other religious leader, all of them died and stayed dead. And Jesus claimed to be the Son of God, and he proved it. He validated it by rising from the grave. The women who showed up at the tomb early on Easter morning, they saw Jesus raised from the dead. Uh, The disciples, they saw Jesus alive again. And then we even have recorded in Scripture that over 500 people saw Jesus raised back to life. And that's why Christianity in the first two centuries was unstoppable. Regardless of the persecution, regardless of the pressures that Christians uh, faced in those first two centuries, people would go to the grave as martyrs. They would die for their faith because they knew beyond a shadow of the doubt that Jesus actually rose back to life. And so what that meant for them is it meant that that was the proof that he is the son of God. Look at what Jesus says himself in John chapter 2 when he's questioned about his authority in which he uses to cleanse the temple. This is early on in the ministry of Jesus. John chapter 2, verse 18. So the Jews said to him, What sign do you show us for doing these things? And Jesus answered them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews then said, It has taken 46 years to build this temple, and will you raise it up in three days? But he was speaking about the temple of 
his body. So John clarifies in his gospel what Jesus is talking about when he uses this cryptic language of, if you destroy the temple, I will raise it up in three days. And the reason why Jesus isn't being point blank is this is early on in his ministry, and so the time isn't right. If he was a little bit more forthcoming about you know, his atoning death and his resurrection, then that might speed things up, and he still has a lot to do in his ministry. And yet, look at the language that Jesus uses. He says, if you destroy my body, I will raise it up, which is phenomenal for us to think about. Certainly, Jesus is raised to life by the authority and power of his Father, you know, by the Holy Spirit. But even here, what we see is is Jesus claiming to be part of the Trinity and, and saying that Jesus not only experienced the miracle on Easter Sunday, he is the miracle. He is the miracle. Think about all of those other resurrection miracles, not only in the New Testament, but the Old Testament as well. There was always a conduit, a person who was the one who said, little girl, get up, or Lazarus, come out, right? Who performed the miracle. But there was no one outside of the tomb on Easter Sunday who commanded Jesus to raise back to life, that he did it because he truly is the Christ and the Son of God. The second thing that the resurrection means for us is the resurrection is our victory over sin and death. It's our victory over sin and death. That means that the resurrection of Jesus is not only a proof or an evidence. It not only answers our questions about who Jesus is. The resurrection solves our problems. And we know that we've got tons of problems. We've got all of these different problems in our life. But if you trace those problems back far enough, you'll notice that all of our problems go to the root problem of sin. Sin is a rejection of God's rule in our lives, a rejection of God's leadership. And what sin does is it makes us guilty. We are guilty before God. We, we need to be punished for our sins. It makes us separated, so we need to be reconciled. We're separated relationally from God. And sin also makes us broken. What that means is now we don't even know quite how to live our lives the right way because we're broken and we are in need of healing. And so what Jesus does is he actually solves each of those problems because all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So when Jesus died on the cross, what happened was Jesus actually was experiencing and taking on our guilt even though he lived a perfectly sinless life. Can you imagine that? Jesus not only is the Son of God, which makes him capable of dying for the sins of the whole world, but he's also lived a sinless life, 100% in line with God's will, which means he's an acceptable sacrifice, a spotless lamb in our place. And yet he's taking our guilt, our shame, our sin in his body on the tree. What Jesus also experienced in the cross is he experienced that separation from God. Think of the line that Jesus cries out when he's hanging there. He says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And so he experiences that separation. And then, of course, he experiences the brokenness as his body was being beaten and broken, experiencing that suffering and that trial in our place and on our behalf. It's called the substitutionary atonement. And that's what makes the resurrection of Jesus different than all these other resurrections, is people were dying of, of natural causes or illness. They were, they, were, they were just dying normal human deaths. And the death Jesus died was actually in our place and on our behalf. Look at what the Apostle Paul says about this. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, he says, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. 
He gives us the victory. It's through Jesus that we can actually experience a victory over sin and over death. In fact, earlier in 1 Corinthians 15, the Apostle Paul goes as far as to say uh, that if the resurrection didn't happen, then our faith is meaningless and we're still dead in our trespasses and sins. And so we have to understand this, that yes, the cross of Christ and the death that he died, it, it's, it's part of the story of the gospel and it's part of that salvation. But, but in fact, the resurrection is really the punchline that we have a victory over that sin and over that death. But that's not all. The third thing that the resurrection means for us is the resurrection is our promise of life. It's our promise of eternal life found in God. We're not only saved from death, we're not only saved from punishment, we are saved for life, for eternal life. And this is really amazing when we start to think about the life that God has for you, both in the age to come, but also in this life right now. Looking at another resurrection miracle of Jesus, in John chapter 11, uh, Jesus' friend Lazarus has died, and he has this conversation with Lazarus' sister Martha. This is John 11, verse 25. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? See, this is a phenomenal promise. Jesus, this is really a lot closer to his final week, right before the final week in the Passion of Christ. What we see is Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. That's a promise from the mouth of Jesus, that he is the life. And that, that Greek word is zoe. It's actually why uh, we, we picked you know, Zoe to be the name of Lazarus's, or, or not Lazarus, Jairus's daughter, because Zoe means life. And so what that means is, especially in the gospel of John and in John's writings in the New Testament, zoe life is not, you know, the same as bios, physical life. It's this eternal life or this divine life. It's the kind of life that God has for you. And what Jesus is saying is it's through his resurrection that we actually get to experience the new life we have in him. And that means two things. That means we get to experience life with God forever This is what we typically think about. It's what we talk about when we talk about heaven, that there will be an actual resurrection from the dead when Jesus returns. There'll be a judgment day, and and those who still reject God's leadership, they will be cast away. But those who put their faith in Jesus will live with God forever on the new heavens and the new earth, and we'll experience a glorification of our bodies, and we'll get to live and enjoy being with one another and being with God forever. That's what eternal life means. But eternal life actually begins now. It's having God's kind of life in your life every single day. And so you don't have to wait to be in God's presence until you die. You can be in God's presence right now. Jesus promised that he would send the Holy Spirit to live within us and that we can live each day with God. We can experience more and more freedom from sin and death and become more into the likeness of Christ. So I just want to ask you that question that Jesus asked. Martha, do you believe this? Do you believe the gospel? And really, faith is a common thread here. Uh, faith is a common thread. Jesus asked Martha, do you, you know, believe? Thinking about you know, our, our story we looked at with Jairus, uh, the, to the woman, uh, to the woman who is bleeding, Jesus said, your faith has made you well. And then think about uh, that command he gave to Jairus, don't be afraid, just have faith. And so today, on Easter Sunday, If you've never responded to the good news of the gospel, I want to call you to faith. 
Today can be the day of salvation for you. I don't believe that you're watching this Easter online by accident. I believe maybe even the Holy Spirit has been working within your heart, even in these last few minutes. And so today, I want to invite you to respond in faith to the gospel message in two ways. First, right now, you can pray a prayer of forgiveness and repentance. You can pray a prayer of forgiveness and repentance. Forgiveness, asking God, appealing to God for that clean conscience, asking God to forgive your sins, and then repenting, turning away from that old life and asking God to lead your life. You can pause the video even right now if you want and just take a moment and ask God to forgive your sins and lead your life. And then the second way I would call you to respond is actually through baptism. Would you commit your life to Jesus in baptism? Baptism is the way that he instructed us to respond in faith to the gospel, that we would be baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And this is a way of showing our commitment to Jesus, but also demonstrating that we're dying to that old life and we're being raised up into a new life in Christ. And if you have questions about baptism, we would invite you to check out our baptism page, hillcityboise.org slash baptism. Uh, there's a baptism 101 video class on there. There's even a button. You can, you can click that button. You can sign up to get baptized. And we would love for today, Easter Sunday, 2021, to be the day of salvation for you. And I want to invite you and challenge you to respond in those two ways in faith today. And we're going to close our time today actually by spending a little bit of time prayerfully reflecting and maybe even singing uh, a worship song. There's a song, Resurrecting by Elevation Worship. And uh, these songs, by the way, are always available on our worship playlist, our worship playlist. Uh, For those of you who've never checked out our YouTube page, it's just a playlist with over 30 different worship songs that we regularly sing at our church. And they're recorded by our Hill City Band. They have the lyrics on there so you can sing if you feel comfortable singing at home, you know, watching a video or even just to prayerfully reflect on the words. So that's a great resource for you. We don't always include worship songs in you know, our teaching or our Hill City Online videos week to week. But today we wanted to end our Easter service online by just listening to and maybe even singing the song Resurrecting. There's a, there's a line in this song that just goes like this. The resurrected king is resurrecting me. And just to focus our hearts on the resurrection of Jesus and how the resurrection of Jesus changes everything. And so today, would you experience that power of resurrection? Would you experience the resurrected king making you alive again? Thanks for tuning in to the Hill City Church podcast. You can find out more about our church at hillcityboise.org. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Hill City Boise. We hope this teaching has encouraged you and helps you follow Jesus with everything.